good morning, saints. It's good to see you all as we gather for worship on uh, this Lord's Day. Just a little bit of information about uh, uh, myself, if I happen to nod off at any point in the service. Uh, We had Presbytery this last week, and so that was held in Abilene. As Presbyterians, as Reformed Christians, uh, we have fellowship with other churches in this region. And so Presbytery is the meeting of leaders from churches in the Texas area and Oklahoma and uh, New Mexico, Mexico, and we come together and we decide on uh, certain things in regard to the church. We examine prospects for uh, ministers and uh, things like that. And so Elder Deasing accompanied me to Abilene this uh, last week, Friday and Saturday, and uh, we, we got back yesterday. So all went well. Uh, there's lots of good work going on, uh, lots of uh, mutual love and uh, unity uh, within our uh, churches and our region. So it's always good uh, to see that and uh, to be a part of that. So um, uh, continue to pray for our presbytery, and uh, we do this three times a year, and we're thankful to the Lord that uh, Scott and I were able to make it back safely. Also, please uh, save the date. October 14th, a Women's Day Out event will be held up here at Providence. Um, there's a sign-up sheet for that, and if you need information on that. Um, I would say please ask Linda Nelson, but she is uh, recovering from knee surgery, and so... Um, Ask one of us, me perhaps, one of the elders, and we can uh, relay your questions to Linda, or you can email her. She's still, she's still operating behind the scenes. And so October 14th, Women's Day Out up here at uh, Providence. Uh, also, this morning, we are pleased to announce that we will receive Tia Yi into communicate membership of Providence. And if you would, uh, please keep your minds and your hearts upon the prayer requests that are um, uh, listed here this week. Our family of the week is... Uh, Nathan Smith, and so please pray for Nathan uh, throughout the week, and uh, also please continue to pray for uh, the Broccolos, baby Broccolo Autumn was born this last week, she is in NICU, Uh, they are doing well, Um, I talked to Andrew a couple of days ago, everything seems to be going uh, okay, mom is recovering nicely, Autumn is strong. And uh, growing. So please pray for Autumn, pray for the Broccolos, but we are thankful to the Lord that, uh, that she was born and that she's here with us now. And so uh, do pray for them. Well, friends, I believe that takes care of all of the announcements we have gathered here in the name of Christ to worship the only true and living God. As the music plays, let us prepare our hearts to worship Him. saints of Providence Presbyterian Church, grace to you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. If you would now please stand as we hear our God call us to worship him from Psalm 18. I'm going to read the first three verses and then verse 49. I love you, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield and the whole of my salvation, my stronghold. 
I call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised, and I am saved from my enemies. And in verse 49, for this I will praise you, O Lord, among the nations, and sing to your name. Let us now sing the doxology. up to the hills from where does our help come from our help comes from the lord the maker of heaven and earth we pray father that you would place a song of praise upon our lips help us O lord to awake the dawn of this day with singing to the praises with singing to the lord jesus christ and with praises for his work on our behalf father bless us in in this way by the power of your spirit we pray all of this in the mighty name of god father son and holy spirit one God and three persons, now and forevermore. Amen. If you, if you would now turn in your hymnals to Psalm 121a, I lift my eyes up to the hills, Psalm 121a. to invite you now to turn to the front of your hymnals to uh, page Roman numeral uh, 16. Roman numeral 16. At the front of the hymnals you will find a list of the Ten Commandments which we will recite together out loud now and as we do so friends let us be mindful of all the ways in which we, as those who have been adopted and redeemed by Jesus Christ, yet still contend against the sinful flesh, against the old man. And so let us be mindful of all the ways in which uh, we fall short of God's glory and let us seek mercy and forgiveness in Jesus alone. And God spoke all these words, saying, I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, 
out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and the fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing steadfast love to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male servant or your female servant, or your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Honor your father and your mother, that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. You shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house, you shall not covet your neighbor's wife, or his male servant, or his female servant, or his ox, or his donkey, or anything that is your neighbor's. Well, beloved, having now heard God's law, let us confess our sins to God together by reciting the prayer of confession that is listed in the insert in your bulletin. Out of the depths we cry to you, O Lord. O Lord, hear our voice. Let your ears be attentive to our pleas for mercy. If you, O Lord, should mark iniquities, who could stand? But with you there is forgiveness that you may be feared. More than watchmen for the morning, our souls wait for the Lord. For we have rebelled against your holy commandments. Like lost sheep, we have all gone astray. Our flesh evermore contends against the Spirit. We fall short of your glory. We are worthy of your wrath. But with you, O Lord, there is steadfast love. With you there is full redemption. Redeem us, O Lord, from all our iniquities. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Well, to all those who put their faith in Jesus Christ alone for salvation, Scripture declares to us that our sins have been permanently and forever forgiven by the blood of Jesus. And we have this forgiveness of sins and this assurance in his word, even among the scriptures of the Old Testament, as we see through the prophet Zechariah, because the Old Testament speaks of the mercy revealed in the death of Christ. Then he showed me Joshua the high priest standing before the angel of the Lord and Satan standing in his right hand to accuse him. And the Lord said to Satan, The Lord rebuke you, O Satan. The Lord who has chosen Jerusalem rebuke you. Is not this a brand plucked from the fire? 
Now Joshua was standing before the angel, clothed with filthy garments. And the angel said to those who were standing before him, Remove the filthy garments from him. And to him he said, Behold, I have taken your iniquity away from you, and I will clothe you with pure vestments. Amen. If you would now turn in your hymnals to hymn 457, Jesus, thy blood and righteousness. Hymn 457, and let's all stand together as we sing. I'd like to invite you now to turn in your Bibles to the Psalms. This morning we are going to look at Psalm 57. So we're taking a break just this week. We'll resume a break from our study through Philippians. We will resume that series next week, Lord willing, and we'll look at the second half of the Christ hymn, which we looked at last week. But today, since we had Presbytery this last week and I was gone for uh, half the week, uh, the session has graciously allowed me to preach a, a sermon that I've, I've already done uh, several years ago, or a few years ago. And so, uh, this is Psalm 57, it's what we are going to look at uh, this morning. Psalm 57, we will consider the entire psalm before we hear God's word. If you would, join your hearts together with me in prayer. Let's pray together, friends. Our Father and our God, we... We thank you and praise you, Lord, that you have removed 
the filthy garments from us, our unrighteousness and our filthiness and our guilt from our sin. And you have done this by the blood of your Son, and you have clothed us with his righteousness, pure, perfect vestments by which you see us, a clothing of Jesus Christ, his obedience and his uh, satisfaction on the cross. So we thank you, Father, for this good work by our Savior, Jesus Christ, and we thank you for the words of our Savior in Holy Scripture, that he speaks to us and that he sings over us even, even now. And so we pray, Father, that you would reveal his glory from this psalm. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Psalm 57, beginning in verse 1. Beloved, this is the word of God. Be merciful to me, O God, be merciful to me, for in you my soul takes refuge. In the shadow of your wings I will take refuge, till the storms of destruction pass by. I cry out to God most high, to God who fulfills his purpose for me. He will send from heaven and save me. He will put to shame him who tramples on me. God will send out his steadfast love and his faithfulness. My soul is in the midst of lions. I lie down amid fiery beasts, the children of man whose teeth are spears and arrows, whose tongues are sharp swords. Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be over all the earth. They set a net for my steps. My soul was bowed down. They dug a pit in my way, but they have fallen into it themselves. My heart is steadfast, O God. My heart is steadfast. I will sing and make melody. Awake, my glory. Awake, O harp and lyre. I will awake the dawn. I will give thanks to you, O Lord, among the peoples. I will sing praises to you among the nations. For your steadfast love is great to the heavens, your faithfulness to the clouds. Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be over all the earth. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our Lord remains forever. Well, in this psalm, we see a desire spring forth from the heart of the psalm writer, uh, David, that can only have been put there by God. And that desire that we see here is that God would be glorified, that God would be exalted, that his name, his glory would be known in all of the earth. Verse 5, be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be over all the earth. Now, that is the psalmist's desire in this song, and it's an incredible desire because if you read the subscript in most of your English Bibles, you see that it's likely that the song, the psalm was written by David when he was being chased down uh, by Saul, when he was uh, chased down and had to uh, hide in a cave. People were after him to kill him. He is even on the brink of death, possible death, and that's what we see in this psalm. And yet, in the midst of all of this, what is his desire? that God would be glorified, that God would be exalted. Verse 5, he says, my soul is in the midst of lions. Verse 6, they set a net for my trap. My soul was bowed down. This is is the experience of the psalmist in the midst of putting these words down and singing them, saying them. Now, this psalm could be considered as a psalm of lamentation. There are other psalms like this whereby the psalmist cries out to God for help because of some struggle. He's lamenting. He's lamenting his situation and therefore cries out to God to to save him, to help him. 
We even see here that David speaks of, uh, uh, of his soul being in the midst of, of lions, that his enemies are after them, that his soul was bowed down. So that, that is what he's feeling, even as he says, may your glory be exalted over all of the earth. Now in the Psalter, if you read through the Psalms, the pain of struggle that the psalmists go through in various psalms can come from several sources. The psalmist may struggle with something inside of himself. He may struggle with personal sin, or he may be struggling from the persecution of an enemy, as we see in this psalm. It may be the persecution of an enemy, then, that causes doubt in the psalmist, or fear in the psalmist that begins to increase inside of him. He begins to think that God has left him for dead, that he has forsaken him. And so he cries out in the midst of his suffering for deliverance. And then usually by the end of these psalms, he gives thanks that God has answered him, or he gives thanks because he is certain that God will answer him. I will do this because even though now I don't see an answer, I know you are faithful. And I know my salvation will be brought about by your sovereign hand. In this psalm, the psalmist struggles very, very clearly with an enemy. And yet his heart remains steadfast because of his faith in God. And because of this desire that we see here, that, that God would be glorified. He remains steadfast in his faith, in his commitment to the Lord, even in the midst of an enemy trying to kill him and in his desire to see God be glorified. Now, I know that often when we are in trouble or distress, if we are honest, we want help from God, certainly, to alleviate our pain, to uh, end our distress, but typically we want this for our own sake, which is not a bad thing to want. We, We want the pain to stop. We want the struggle to end. We want comfort for ourselves, But sometimes we want comfort for ourselves without regard for the way in which God's name is honored in the midst of our suffering or as as a result of our suffering or from the end result that comes about uh, from us going through difficulties. We don't think about the glory of God in the midst of our suffering sometimes. But this psalmist, this psalm writer desires salvation from God so that he might be glorified in all the earth. The psalmist begins like the previous, uh, like previous psalms of lamentation or other psalms of lamentations in the Psalter. He begins with a call for mercy. Be merciful to me, O God. Be merciful to me. And so we see here that he repeats himself twice. Be merciful to me. Now this might give us an indication of the kind of distress he was under. He's not repeating himself, thinking that if he repeats himself enough, then God will finally turn his ear toward him. Or if he repeats himself enough, that gives power to his prayer. No, I I think it shows how much distress he is in, how hard his struggle is. He's, He's crying out for mercy so much so that he repeats himself twice here. It is interesting here in the next part of the psalm that as, as David cries for mercy, he doesn't immediately give the context of his persecution as the reason for his lament. Rather, he grounds his cry for mercy in the fact that he finds his refuge 
in God. Be merciful to me. Be merciful to me. For in you, my soul takes refuge. In, In other words, and in no one else. He grounds this cry, this cry out for mercy in the fact that it's natural for him to do this. This is where his refuge is. As he's hiding in the cave from his attackers, where does he find his refuge? Not in his, in his own abilities. He's weak. He's in a cave. It's poss- likely that he was in a cave, as we see in the subscript. Where does he find his refuge then? In God. I cry out to you, God. Be merciful to me, because that is my true refuge. Now, the psalmist here refers to his soul. My soul takes refuge in here, in, in God, or takes refuge in you, O God. The soul, usually in the Old Testament and the Psalms in particular, refers to the entirety of David's life, his heart, his strength, his mind, his soul. It's not just his inner person, but his whole being takes refuge in God. He has given himself completely over to the protection of God here. He does not come to him, in other words, as one who wants only temporal satisfaction. He doesn't say, be merciful to me. I want this pain to end for myself, for my sake. No, he says, be merciful to me because I have given myself over completely to your protection. And once you answer my prayer, you will be glorified. That is what uh, David expects. Now, this is a kind of mercy that Pharaoh longed for. If you remember the story in the Old Testament, Moses and the redemption of the Israelites from Pharaoh's harsh grasp, mercy was shown to Pharaoh for some time. When the plagues came upon the Egyptians, Pharaoh pleaded with Moses over and over again to intercede for them to God. These plagues were harsh, the darkness, the frogs, and all the rest, and his people were suffering, and so he would finally break down and ask Moses to intercede for him. And he even said to Moses repeatedly, this time I have sinned, the Lord is in the right, and I and my people are in the wrong. Plead with the Lord. But of course, once the plague was lifted, Pharaoh hardened his heart, and he did not let the people of Israel go. And so he did not find refuge in God. He only wanted his prayer answered for his own sake, for his own people. Once the suffering was alleviated, his true heart was shown. He wouldn't let the Israelites go. But this psalmist is different. David's heart, we see, is different. He entreats God for mercy because he loves God and knows that God offers him safe refuge from attackers. And he offers him safe refuge from attackers like the way in which a hen or another bird covers her young with her wing. I take refuge under the shadow of your wings. Uh, Jesus used these very words in in his psalm of lamentation in the New Testament. He was grieving over the unbelief of Israel. And he said, oh Israel, how I would have gathered you to me and covered you over with my protective wings. But I, you would not. And so you see there that that is what Jesus does for us. He covers us with his wings. And that is what the psalmist is looking for from, uh, from God. That gentle protection from a loving father. He says, till the tor- storms of destruction pass by. Here he gives us the time frame of hiding under the shadow of God's wings. It's until the storms of destruction 
pass by. Now, we've already seen that the psalmist continually takes refuge in God. God is his refuge. It doesn't change at various times. He is always his refuge. But at this particular time, when he's in desperate need, that is when he understands and appreciates more closely, more sincerely perhaps, the fact that God is his only refuge. And so the storms have come, and he recognizes, I have to find refuge in God if I am to survive the storm. And so until the storms of destruction pass by, and that's, again, that we see here that he's possibly on the brink of death. He might be destroyed here. Where does he find his protection? And so David shows us that he will find refuge in the shadow of God's wings, and he will wait under those wings until the storm passes by. Now here, as we go along, he shows us the manner in which he hides under his wings in this psalm. He cries out to God in prayer, and he applies to God the name of God Most High. I cry out to God Most High. He calls God Most High because God is the highest of beings. He is the highest of beings. He's the God of all gods. He is supreme in all of his attributes. His glory is somewhat revealed in the world in the exaltation of human kings. And so when citizens are dealt with storms of destruction, they are often forced to find refuge under the protection of an earthly king, one who's set on high. David has no such recourse here. He has no such ability. In fact, David was the king. He was the rightful king, and he was being chased down into a, a cave. Who would he appeal to for protection? Well, it's God the Most High. He is the exalted one, and the exaltation of human kings here on earth is dwarfed by the glory of God whose throne is in heaven. This is to whom, God, to whom David appeals. It is to this God that David cries out to, God most high. Because God is God and because he has authority over all flesh, David finds comfort knowing that he will fulfill his purpose for me. God is most high. He is the exalted king of all the earth. He rules over all things. He directs the hearts of kings like water in his hand. He directs them for his purposes. And so knowing this, David says, he will fulfill his purpose for me. And so uh, David knows that God is sovereign. That's who he appeals to, the, the one that fulfills the purpose that he has put in place for David from all eternity. Now, we're going through the book of Philippians, usually in the mornings. We've already seen a lesson on this somewhat, or Paul, the Apostle Paul echo this, uh, when he said in Philippians chapter 1, I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. And so God will cause, the scripture teaches us that God will cause all of his elect children to persevere in the faith. That is what will happen. That is what Scripture teaches us will happen. And that is our hope. Our hope hope ultimately then is not in ourselves. We don't appeal to our own strength. We appeal, and especially in our weakness, to the strength of God and to His promise that He will not let us go. 
and that the Most High will finish what he starts in his people. That is what keeps us going. That is what keeps us grounded. He will fulfill his purpose for me. Now, even though we may go through seasons of doubt, and even at times we fall into sin, God, because of his seed that he's placed in you, and because he abides in you by that seed, he will never let you go. It is impossible for you to fall away because of his immovable power inside of you by the seed that he has placed within you. By his unchangeable decree of election, he will sustain us by his love. He will fulfill his purpose for me, even though your circumstances might tell you differently. Maybe, maybe God won't fu- fulfill his promise to me. That's what it looks like. That's what it feels like in the storms of destruction. But we appeal to his word. We appeal to his promise. And that's what David does here. In fact, it's often through the most difficult times, in the most difficult times, when God feels far away. And that's exactly when he refines our faith and he further sanctifies us. We see here that faithfulness and steadfast love are personified. He will send out his, his, his steadfast love and his faithfulness. They are like heavenly helpers that come down from heaven to aid David in his affliction. As one commentator put it, faithfulness and steadfast love here are like God's hands reaching down to pick him up and to strike his enemies. The psalmist goes on to speak a little bit more about his suffering, what he's going through. He talks being in the, about being in the midst of lions. Well, we know, many of us know the story about Daniel in the Old Testament. Daniel had been thrown into the lion's den because of his faith in God Most High. And the lions would have torn him apart had not God sent his faithfulness and steadfast love from heaven to save him. He sent an angel into the lion's den to protect him from the mouths of the lions. Well, David is essentially in the lion's den. He is most likely in a cave, and there are violent beasts. These are men, of course, but he describes them as violent beasts out to tear him apart. David likens his attackers, his enemies, as like fiery beasts. They are inflamed with hatred. They want to devour him. He, he describes their teeth uh, as like weapons of war, and their tongues are sharp. They use their words in an attempt to kill David, to slander him among his people, but also to plot to end him, to bring about his demise. That is how they use their tongues. These beasts are aflame. They have sharp swords, spears, and arrows. This illustrates the way in which the words of the children of man can pierce the souls of others to the point of death. Now, it's interesting here that David does, in fact, focus so much on words, on the mouths and the tongues of his attackers. Words can be incredibly influential. The right words spoken can bend a crowd in a certain direction in one way or another, either for good or for evil. We go back to the story of Daniel. Daniel was thrown into the lion's den because wicked men maliciously persuaded King Darius by their words to write into law an injunction against prayer to any other god. And once Daniel did his normal three times a day of prayer to God, they 
accused him and had him um, put to death, or what looked like a sentence of death. And so they used their words to try to put Daniel to death. Well, David's enemies in the psalm are up to the same thing, but David finds comfort in God's vengeance against them. He says, they set a net for my steps. My soul was bowed down. They dug a pit in my way, but they have fallen into it themselves. Now, this is exactly what happened to those who conspired against Daniel. Daniel was saved. He was pulled out of the lion's den, and all those and their families who accused Daniel of wrongdoing, they went into the lion's den themselves, and they did not have the same fate as Daniel. David experienced these same types of malicious accusations, but he continued to trust in the Lord. He knew that the Lord could rescue him and would rescue him. He would tame the tongue of the oppressor, even though he couldn't see it, how that might be done. Now this prayer on the part of David that God would be exalted refers back to the way in which he addressed God as most high. God is exalted above the earthly heavens and the invisible heavens in the heavenly places, the seraphim, sing holy, holy, holy before his throne day and night. But that glory seen always in heaven, David longs to be seen on earth by the way of his salvation, his salvation for the king. Your glory is exalted above the heavens. Make that glory known by saving your anointed king, by bringing me out of this destruction, bringing me out of this uh, persecution. And so David pauses to praise God in the heavens. His mind then is taken up for a moment to the place of God's dwelling, even in the midst of the lion's den, as it were. And that's the point of suffering, friends, is it not? Often our minds aren't there. We don't think about God most high. We don't think about his exalted status and the fact that he is the highest of beings, and his glory is exalted above the heavens, and yet we know him. We've come near to him through the Lord Jesus Christ. Our minds aren't always there. But in the midst of suffering, that is what God does. He forces us, causes us to contemplate the glory of God, and that is exactly what David is doing here. David essentially prays here, hallowed be your name. Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. May your will be done on earth as it, as it is in heaven. God, glorify yourself through all of this, David prays. David had repeated himself earlier in the psalm. He said, be merciful to me, be merciful to me. This showed his earnest desire to uh, receive help from the Lord. Here he repeats himself to show just as zealous how zealous he is for mercy and also how zealous he is to remain obedient to God. I will remain steadfast in the Lord. I will continue to sing of your steadfast love. I will awake the dawn with my worship. David, then, as we see here, is not one who prays and then sits in inactivity. His heart is set on continuing to be faithful to God. This suffering will not cause him to depart from the Lord but will cause him to draw ever closer to the Lord. I will remain steadfast. My heart is steadfast despite my predicament. Jesus promises us that he will never leave us nor forsake us. He says, I and the Father are one and no one can snatch you out of my hand. 
and no one can snatch you out of my Father's hand. It is in the times of our most severe suffering and most intense struggles that we find this truth to be all the more important and all the more real. And that is what David is experiencing. Beloved, the Holy Spirit is always with us. He abides with us and he gives us the strong support that we need as, his, as God's children that our faith might be sustained. This is, in fact, what happened with Jesus. It was the Holy Spirit who sustained Christ as he incurred the wrath of God upon himself on the cross. And what did Jesus cry out there? A psalm of lamentation. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And yet, in the midst of praying that prayer and lamenting in that psalm, we see also that Christ trusted his Father. It's that very cry that shows he continued to trust in his Father and the Spirit upheld the Lord Jesus even as he incurred the wrath of God against our sin. The Spirit was able to sustain his nature and keep him from completely sinking under the wrath of God. And friends, that same Spirit does a similar work in us. He supports us. He keeps us from falling away. He keeps us from falling into total despair. And it's those promises and that reality that we appeal to in our suffering. The Spirit of God brought to completion his work when he raised Jesus from the dead. Now remember David at the beginning of this psalm, he finds confidence in the God Most High. In verse 2, that he fulfills his purpose for me. Well, Christ died on account of our sins, but death could not hold him. He was raised from the dead on the third day, and thus God fulfilled his purpose for his son. He raised him from the dead, and now Christ, living, sings over us. He sings with us in gathered worship. He is alive. Awake, my glory. Awake, O harp and lyre. I will awake the dawn. This is the glory of resurrected worship that is being referred to here. I will sing my glory, my whole being will participate in the worship of God and singing to God who brings about resurrection for me. That is what he has done for his son, Jesus Christ, and that is what he does in us. The resurrected Jesus sings over us. He sings with us when we gather for worship. Christ is there among us. Wherever two or three are gathered in my name, there I am among them. And so this is what we do, friends. This, what the psalmist is saying that we do. We awaken the dawn on the Lord's day with singing to God in worship. I will awake the dawn. Many of us, some of us, may be going through a certain amount of suffering, a certain amount of pain, a particular struggle. And yet here we are, singing to the Lord. I will awake the dawn. And we can do this because of the promises that we see in psalms like this and the rest of Holy Scripture. Now David gives us the context of his singing in this psalm. He will sing among the peoples. I will sing, give thanks among the nations. We read from Psalm 18 where uh, David, where the psalm writer says a similar thing. I will sing with who? Who do we sing with? I will sing among the nations, among the Gentiles even. When this psalm was written, God was only dealing with Israel. He was only dealing with the blood of Abraham for the most part. But there would come a time when 
this resurrected king would sing among the nations. And that's what takes place today with us, friends. We are those from the nations. We are those from every walk of life, from every background, from every type of country and setting and cultural context. And yet here we are together, singing together with Jesus Christ. I will sing among the nations. Do you see that there? That is what takes place here. Jesus sings among us. He sings through us in our worship to God. We are the nations that David envisioned here uh, in this psalm. Now, David rounds off his, this declaration of praise with a reason for his praise. He says, his steadfast love and faithfulness fill all of heaven and earth. Even the stars and the moon and the sun, which God has fixed in their places, even these things declare his glory, his faithfulness. Summertime, wintertime, seed time, and harvest, we are told, all happen over and over and over again because of God's almighty power and because of his faithfulness. It's revealed in the heavens, it's revealed in creation, and it's revealed in the death and resurrection of his son. That God, the God who determines where the stars are in the heavens and causes the sun to rise each day, is the God who sustains your faith. That is what David appreciates here. His steadfast love and faithfulness fill all of heaven and earth. As David contemplates God's glory and his never-ending steadfast love and faithfulness, he concluded the psalm again with an appeal to God's sure and certain work that he will by no means give his glory to another. Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be over all the earth. David recognizes here in his suffering just how small he is and how great God is. And that is the goal of our suffering, that we would come to this place as David did. Be exalted, O God, in all of the earth. May your name be exalted. May your glory be over all the earth. And that will happen, friends. That is something that Scripture promises as well. God will not give his glory to another. It's not ultimately about our comfort. It's not ultimately about the alleviation of our pain, though God does give us that, and we should pray for that. It's about his glory. It's about how he is exalted in the minds and the hearts of his people and how he will get the glory in the end. Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be over all the earth. To Christ be all praise and glory now and forevermore. Let's pray together, friends. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for your love to us in Jesus Christ. We thank you that Christ, risen from the dead, awakes the dawn with the singing of his people. And we thank you, Father, that we have been given the great privilege to take part in this week in and week out and gathered worship among people from all nations. Father, we pray that your name would be exalted and that you would be glorified in all the earth through all that we go through as Christians living in this age, through all that you bring us through. Till the storms of destruction pass by, we pray, Father, that you would sustain our faith, build us up, that your name might be glorified, that your glory might be exalted in all the earth. Father, we pray now in this regard for the nations of the world. We pray that your glory would be exalted and 
every country around the world. We pray especially for those places where your name is not exalted on high and where your name is despised and where the gospel is rejected. We pray, Father, that you would raise up faithful servants to penetrate these dark places with your love, your faithfulness, and the message of the gospel. Father, we pray for our own country. We pray that the light of the gospel and the light of the right of righteousness that comes to the church would shine brightly in this dark age, even as our culture descends further and further into darkness and chaos. We pray, Father, that we would be a beacon of hope and light uh, to those around us. Father, we pray for our missionaries whom you've sent out into the world. We thank you for their uh, service and self-denial to take the gospel to the ends of the earth. We lift up to you uh, this morning the verdicts who serve in Uganda. We thank you for them and pray that you would provide for all of their needs. Father, we lift up to you our regional church as we think of the work of the Presbytery and uh, the work of not only the OPC, our denomination, but the work of our sister denomination, the PCA, PCA and URC and other Reformed churches and other uh, faithful uh, servants of Christ who proclaim your name. We pray, Father, that um, you would bless their efforts and uh, building up the saints and gathering the elect. Father, we lift up to you Reverend Sumter, our regional home missionary for the OPC, and ask that you would provide for all of his needs and bless him in his labors. Father, we lift up to you uh, now the needs for our church. We thank you for your faithfulness and steadfast love from heaven that you have sent to us here at Providence over the years. Father, we ask that you would use our ministry and our humble service to gather the elect to the preaching of the gospel. We pray, Father, that you would increase us numerically and spiritually to the praise of your glory. We ask, Father, that lost sinners would be converted and that your people would be built up. Father, we especially lift up to you those who are suffering, who are in the lion's den, as it were, we pray that you would bless them and keep them. We think of the elderly among us as we pray for Eileen, Dorothy, Kay, Joyce, Jean, Hal, Alan, Cornelia, Hikari, Rosalie, for uh, Iona, and for Diane, for Dave, and uh, all the rest. We pray, Father, that you would bless them with your uh, grace and multiply your peace to them. Father, we lift up to you uh, those who are in uh, physical pain and struggling with uh, physical uh, ailments. We think of uh, Claire and Iona. We lift up to you uh, Autumn Broccolo. We pray, Father, that you would sustain her life and bless her and strengthen her day by day. And we thank you for this baby and uh, for new children. We pray, Father, that um, you would bless this family and provide uh, for them. Father, we lift up to you, Jerry and Kyle Nielsen. We think of uh, the Akorafor family this morning as they search for a home. We also pray that you would uh, work mightily in those who face cancer as we think of and pray for Arlene and Jim and William and uh, John, Chris's father and uh, Laura's friend, Kay's sister-in-law. These are all uh, beloved family members close to us. We pray that you would bless them all. Father, may your will be done, strengthened, their faith in Jesus Christ, and may your glory be exalted above all things. Father, we lift up to you uh, our expectant mothers, uh, uh, now Emerald Conter, Emerald Conter, who is alone in that, and we thank you for the arrival of Autumn, and uh, bless Emerald and her family. We pray for those who grieve, wipe away every tear from their eyes, and um, 
cause them to remember your promises. Father, we thank you for uh, Nathan Smith and for the faith that you've given him. Father, may your name be exalted in his obedience and his sacrifice and service in the church. Father, sustain his faith. Uh, May you fan into flame the gift of faith that you've given him, that he would use his gifts and his resources uh, for your glory. Father, thank you for Nathan. We pray that you would provide for all of his needs and fill us with compassion that we would serve him in love. Father, we thank you that you hear and answer our prayers and that you are ever mindful to the cries and the lamentations of your saints. We commit all of these things into your hands through Jesus Christ, our Savior and King, who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Beloved, we now have the wonderful opportunity to graciously give to the work of the advancement of Christ's kingdom in the world. May the Lord Jesus Christ, the great shepherd of the sheep, be pleased to use our sacrifices for his wise ends. Amen. time I would like to invite the session of Providence to come forward and for Tia Yi uh, to come forward as well. <laughs> well, beloved, again, um, I've heard this many times before, this whole spiel that I go through from our, our book of, of church order, but it's, it's so wonderful to hear it so many times because that means that young children are professing their faith publicly. So uh, for my part, this never gets old. <laughs> I really enjoy this. I'm very happy for Tia uh, to be here uh, this morning. I would like to remind you all that Tia has already been receiving the blessings of Christ uh, through the ministry of the church. Uh, ever since her baptism and her inclusion into the membership of the church at that time. Uh, Although she has been receiving the blessings as a non-communicant member, 
she will now begin to receive these blessings from Christ as a communicant member because she is communicating her faith uh, in the gospel publicly uh, before you and before God. Beloved in the Lord Jesus Christ, we thank God for the grace that was given to you and that you have accepted God's covenant promise that was signified and sealed unto you in your infancy by holy baptism. We ask now that you profess your faith publicly. Do you believe the Bible, consisting of the Old and New Testaments, to be the word of God and its doctrine of salvation to be the perfect and only true doctrine of salvation? Do you believe in one living and true God, in whom eternally there are three distinct persons, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, who are the same in being and equal in power and glory, and that Jesus Christ is God the Son come in the flesh? Do you confess that because of your sinfulness, you abhor and humble yourself before God, that you repent of your sin, and that you trust for salvation not in yourself, but in Jesus Christ alone? Do you acknowledge Jesus Christ as your sovereign Lord, and do you promise that in reliance on the grace of God, you will, for, you will serve him with all that is in you? Forsake the world, resist the devil, put to death your sinful deeds and desires, and lead a godly life. Do you promise to participate faithfully in this church's worship and service, to submit in the Lord to its government, and to heed its discipline, even in case you should be found delinquent in doctrine or life. Well, beloved, from the time that uh, Tia was baptized, the whole congregation has been obligated to serve her and to love her. Hopefully we have uh, done that well before God up to this time. Now that she is being received into full communion, the congregation is reminded of these obligations. Uh, those obligations are not lifted. Um, she has taken hold of her faith by her, uh, her yeses to these vows, by taking these vows before God. She's certainly take hold, taken hold of her faith individually, but it's still a faith that is shared collectively with the rest of us because we support her in this. And so it's important that we continue to pray for her and meet her needs as they come uh, before us to the praise of God's glory. Beloved, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I welcome you to all the privileges of full communion with God's people, and in particular to participation in the sacrament of the Holy Supper. I charge you to continue steadfastly in the confession that you have made, humbly relying upon the grace of God and the diligent use of the means of grace, especially the word of God, the sacraments, and prayer. And rest assured, Tia, that if you confess Christ before men, he will confess you before his Father who is in heaven. May the God of all grace, who called you unto his eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered a little while, may he perfect, establish, and strengthen you. To him be the glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Let's pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for your faithfulness that you have uh, given us, uh, that is demonstrated in your faithfulness to the covenant when uh, the covenant that was entered into by Tia's parents and in this congregation and that you have fulfilled today as she professed her faith in Jesus Christ. Uh, we thank you for the work of the Holy Spirit that was applied to um, Tia's heart and gave her faith in Jesus Christ and um, that was according to your eternal plan. We pray that you would enable Tia to fulfill these vows, to keep these promises, 
and remind us and enable us through the power of your Holy Spirit to keep our promises that we made in the same way. We pray that you would instill in us a solemnity uh, toward these vows. Help us to recognize that we are making these promises. Tia and previously ourselves made these promises to God who is holy, holy, holy. We also pray that you would fill our hearts with love for Tia, that you would help us to serve her with our gifts, and that you would fill her heart with faith, hope, and love. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, that rounds off all the yees. Praise the Lord. <laughs> if you would now turn uh, in the back of your hymnal to page 851. There you will find the Apostles' Creed, which we will recite as a profession of our faith uh, in the gospel. And let us all stand together as we do so. Christian, in whom do you believe? I believe in God the Father Almighty maker of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only begotten Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there he shall come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. If you would now turn to uh, Psalm 57. We will sing Psalm 57 now. Be merciful, O God. Psalm 57.
Amen. As usual, before I give the benediction, I will invite uh, Tia to come forward after the service so that we can uh, commend her and encourage her in this uh, wonderful uh, step that she has taken in her Christian walk. Um, Beloved, receive the Lord's blessing. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen.